All right, welcome back to the Retirement is Within Reach podcast. My name is Jerry Doherty, and I do this podcast from Westboro, Massachusetts, which is a town about 25 miles west of Boston. In Westboro, I own a uh, retirement planning firm named Boston Independence Group. We're a Massachusetts incorporated retirement planning firm, and we specialize in strategies for people who are close to retiring. So if that describes you close to retiring, then you've tuned in to the right podcast. Then all we discuss on this are retirement planning concepts. So I want to back up a little bit uh, this morning, and I want to talk a little bit about the national debt. We have a national debt that sits at almost $32 trillion. Can you imagine $32 trillion? The magnitude of that number is simply stunning. It's a really, really big number. And sometimes when we hear the word a trillion, we tend to lose sight of how big that number really is. After all, a trillion kind of rhymes with a billion, which in turn rhymes with a million. And somehow all those zeros many times become lost in translation. But think about a trillion dollars this way. Think about it this way. If one dollar were to equal one second in time, if one dollar were to equal one second in time, a million dollars would be about 12 days. A billion dollars would be about 32 years. And a trillion dollars would be, do you have your seatbelt fastened? It would be 32,000 years. 32,000 years. That's a heck of a long period of time. So the U.S. is in debt for about 32,000 year long periods of time if we paid our debts at the rate of $1 every second. 32, 32,000 year long periods of time. Now, coincidentally, in a book that I was exposed to recently, just kind of about the universe. The book is named uh, Shaman. Its author is Kim Stanley Robinson. He described exactly how the earth looked 32,000 years ago. And this is what he wrote in his book. He said 32,000 years ago, the earth would have been unrecognizable. The planet was in the throes of an ice age. Now extinct beasts roamed freely. And Neanderthals may have lived alongside modern humans, end quote. And I have to tell you, as a little side note, I think that one could make a strong argument that Neanderthals still live among us humans, but I digress. But that's what the world was like 32,000 years ago. And as a nation, we are in debt 32, 32,000 year long periods of time. Again, if one dollar were to equal one second in time. America's debt is the largest of any single country in the world, as you might imagine. Our national debt is not just a problem for us, but it's a problem also for our kids and for our kids' kids. This national debt is really a generational problem. And just like running a household, in the short term, we benefit from this deficit spending. It helps us live a little bit larger. But in the longer term, debt really slows down our economy. You probably saw the first quarter GDP numbers. They came in at a rather anemic 1.1%. So think about it this way. Carrying a lot of debt is like running a foot race, but with a bag of rocks strapped to your back, heavy rocks. And as more rocks are added, as more debt is added, your pace becomes slower and slower. And that's exactly what's happening to our economy with this national debt. If the national debt continues to increase, paying the interest to service the debt alone will create more and more of a drag on current budgets. If interest rates were to continue to rise, as it looks like they will, because inflation is nowhere near under control, 
They're going to need to raise rates just to bring inflation down. The problem of increasing costs to service the debt will only worsen. And that could really lead to a spiral downward where lenders, the people who hold our debt, could become concerned about America's ability to pay its debt. And that could bring rating downgrades like we've seen in the past in 2011 under President Obama. Remember, less creditworthy borrowers pay more in interest. Now, we did receive some new inflation numbers this week. Headline inflation, essentially all the goods and services that are produced, everything, is running at an annual clip of about 4.9%. That's the consumer price index that you see on the news all the time. However, core inflation, which is a really important number, that's an inflation measure that excludes food and energy, that rose in an annual clip of 5.5%, so more than the headline inflation number. And core is the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge because it excludes food and energy that are more susceptible to swings in inflation. But whichever inflation number you consider, headline or core, both of them are running much higher than the Federal Reserve's target of 2%. The numbers are running two and a half times roughly what the target is, and that's a huge problem. So let's think about, for this, for, uh, let's think about this for a moment against the backdrop of quantitative easing. Remember quantitative easing? Well, that's over. It ended quite a while ago, a program where the Federal Reserve employed policies to maintain low interest rates. And because of all those low interest rates, many people believe we have an artificially propped up, inflated U.S. stock market, propelling some stock, mar stock market returns in recent years to new highs. So let's connect a couple of dots here. What will happen to America's investment markets in a rising interest rate environment? What happens to stocks in a rising interest rate environment? And let's hypothetically say that interest rates rose to the point where they were keeping pace with inflation right around there, which many people say we need to raise rates above inflation in order to get inflation under control. What would happen if rates went up that high? Was retirees if fixed rates were at 5% annually, which by the way, they are right now if you're paying attention. You can get a fixed rate, um, risk-free rate right now at 5% on an annualized basis. Well, if you could do that as a retiree, would you still keep your retirement savings in stocks and equities that hold the potential for loss and more volatility during the second half of this year? I don't think the majority of you would because retirees generally like and generally seek preservation of principal products. So where do you think interest, uh, rising interest rates will leave equity markets for the second half of this year? Will it fare well or will it fare poorly? Well, I think many would say it's going to fare poorly for equity markets. So let's connect a few dots. We also have a strengthening U.S. dollar. It's strengthened so far about 15% this year, so the dollar is pretty strong. So if U.S. goods become too expensive overseas, Demand for goods is going to drop, of course. And if overseas products become less expensive because of our strong dollar, demand for them will rise. So America will find itself importing more and exporting less. And I have to tell you, in 2022, when we look back, we did have a goods and services deficit of a little less than $1 trillion. In other words, we're taking in a trillion dollars more than we're exporting. So let's kind of connect the last dot to all of that. And that's, of course, unknown events. And this is a really big dot to connect. Black swan events such as terrorism and pandemics. And by the way, in 2020, was there any difference between the COVID-19 pandemic and an act of terrorism? 
In my estimation, it was indeed an act of terrorism. We also have unforeseen wars, such as in Ukraine. We have weather occurrences, national disasters, or a host of other unpredictable events, all holding the potential to move the needle on volatility in U.S. markets and around the world. And all we need is just one of these unforeseen things to go wrong. And of course, what could possibly go wrong with an 80-year-old sitting in the White House? And we also now have another debt ceiling debate raging in Washington, which is what I open with. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy met with President Biden earlier this week, but to no avail. There still is no deal. You know, the Wall Street Journal reports in a poll that they did, 75% of Republicans oppose raising the debt ceiling. That's really no surprise. 75% of Republicans. But believe it or not, there's a similar number of Democrats. It was about 73% that feel the same way. That's according to this new Wall Street Journal poll from this week. You know, we reached our debt limit of $31.4 trillion, and now you know how big a trillion is, in January. And since then, the Treasury Department has been using extraordinary measures to pay America's bills. Now, one year ago, these are very interesting numbers. One year ago, the United States had more than $900 billion, the Treasury Department did, in its general account. Today, we have less than $90 billion, so less than 10% of that amount in our general account. Tax revenues, both, both personal and corporate revenue collections that they made coming out of tax season, I'm sure you enjoy that, um, have been less than what was anticipated. And of course, in their infinite wisdom in Washington, D.C., Congress has increased spending, increased spending. It's gone up by about $350 billion this year. So when you factor in that we have less revenue coming in and greater expenditures, this is really going to become a big problem. But what I want to really focus on is I want to focus on this black swan piece of this um, of what could go on in investment markets. Because right now we're kind of walking a very thin line where I think the lawmakers are assuming that nothing is going to go wrong. So given all of this chaos right now in Washington, D.C., and the assumption that things have to work out perfectly in order for all this to come together, what are you supposed to do as a retiree with your retirement savings? So when you think about your retirement nest egg, do you really understand right now, given all of this, why you're doing what you're doing with your hard-fought retirement savings? Do you really understand that? Now, some of you may be able to answer that question, but I bet the majority of you cannot answer it with any conviction. And I have to tell you, today's choices about where to position your nest egg seem more confusing than ever before. You see, during the 21st century so far, the U.S. economy has been different than ever before. We've had a lot of central bank planning to our economy. And on top of that, technology has really exploded. This technology piece is a really huge component. And because of the rapid advances in technology, the world has become smaller and more interconnected. Today, events in far-off corners of the world that previously would have taken days, if not weeks, to make their way to your doorstep, now appear instantaneously on your telephone. And reaction to those events around the world is immediate. Just look at the worldwide economic slowdown that's happening right now. We know exactly what's happening in other, companies, uh, other countries in real time. The problem, of course, is that we don't have control over the entire world. And no one has a crystal ball to foretell when events in other countries are going to affect our economy right here at home in the U.S. And even if you could predict some of those events, 
Other events are going to be random, unpredictable occurrences, what are known as black swan events that come as a total surprise and have a major impact. So some of you have probably read uh, Nassim Nicholas Tlaib's book, Fooled by Randomness, that came out in 2001. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, it's a little bit of a difficult read, but it's a great book. And in that book, uh, Nicholas Tlaib develops his belief that financial markets are very much, uh, much impacted and shaped by random, unpredictable events. Now, the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack is kind of an obvious example. It's a very good example of what Tlaib writes about. But there are plenty of other examples, too. Now, he characterizes these black swan events as having three main characteristics. Number one, the event is a surprise. It was outside the realm of regular expectations. Nobody saw it coming. Number two, the event has a big impact. It didn't make just a little ripple. It had a big impact on U.S. markets. And number three, after the event occurs, in line with human nature, certain people are going to attempt to make the event explainable, saying things like, well, we could have seen this coming. It should have been predicted. But of course, black swan events aren't explainable. We don't see black swan events coming. Their arrival is unpredictable. And I have to tell you as a side note, it's why the English language contains the word surprise. Black swan events are indeed a surprise. Tlaib goes on to write, banks and trading firms are very vulnerable to hazardous black swan events and are exposed to unpredictable losses. Just look at the banking crisis right now. You know, let's look at uh, First Republic, for example. It looked very much like a savings and loan, didn't it? We had all of these mortgages that were taken out when interest rates were very low. And then all of a sudden you have a rise in interest rates. Maybe that was predictable. And regulators certainly, certainly should have been doing stress testing to find out what would happen to all of these low interest rate mortgages when you have a rising interest rate environment. You know, also in line with Tlaib's beliefs, at the University of Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, in a retirement planning white paper, professors David Babel, who unfortunately just died last year, he was a very nice man, Jack Marion and Jeffrey Vanderpaul, they wrote in one of their white papers, it's been known for close to 50 years, 50 years, a half a century, that equity market returns do not conform to normal bell-shaped probability distribution. Various asset allocation strategies have been used with limited success when extreme market movements and black swans occur, end quote. So there you have it from the Wharton School of Business. Markets cannot be predicted. And anyone who tells you that markets can be predicted isn't telling you the truth. And if somebody tells you that markets can be predicted, ask them one very simple question. Just simply say to them, where is the market going to finish tomorrow? Where will the market finish tomorrow? You know, if someone can't tell you precisely where the market is going to finish tomorrow, how can you rely on their predictions, on their prophecies, if you will, of where the market will be during your retirement, a retirement that might last 25 or 30 years? Obviously, you can't rely on their guesses. That's all it is, it's guesses. Yet despite that reality, I'll bet that many of you listening to me right now have some of your, or part of your retirement income strategy, how you're generating income, tied to the stock market. You probably met with a financial representative who showed you an investment strategy based upon historic average rates of return. 
And the retrospective that he or she painted, I bet you, was probably pretty enticing, enticing enough to motivate you to place part of your savings into that strategy. But then deep in the investments literature, you probably read the famous words, past performance is not a guarantee of future results. So in essence, when you really think about this for a minute, you're asked to make an investment decision based upon past performance, but then you're told that the future can't be predicted. Seems somewhat contradictory, doesn't it? Well, the reason that there's a disconnect between the written word and the spoken word that's been presented to you is that the written word has been memorialized in the product's literature and brochures, and the written word has revealed the truth. Markets cannot be predicted. And the reason is simple, is because there are too many random elements to markets. Black swans, unpredictable events. Markets move up and markets move down. Now years ago, when you were young, in your 20s, your 30s, oh, the good old days, riding market ups and downs of an unpredictable, riding the market ups and downs of an unpredictable market probably didn't matter too much. As markets climbed, they were probably kind of exciting. You probably seemed pretty exciting to you. And when markets went down, although you didn't enjoy the fall, you knew that you had plenty of time ahead to recover. But now all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, 40 years have passed, and you find yourself in your middle 60s, and retirement is now at hand. There's no time left to recover from a severe market downturn. Look, if you've accumulated a respectable amount of retirement savings, congratulations. Many of your peers have not. Market downturns in the past 23 years have really taken their toll on many people's retirement savings. So standing at retirement's doorstep is not the time to take risk. Quite the contrary, it's the time to de-risk your portfolios, to protect and preserve the wealth that has taken you a lifetime to accumulate. Your golden years are right in front of you. If you were to experience a loss today, you no longer have the luxury of time to recover. Now is the time for you to explore options that are designed to protect your nest egg from loss, and I can really help you with that. Other people can help you with that too, specialized retirement planning firms. And let me tell you one of the ways that you can do that. I want to speak, speak uh, for the balance of the time that we have together today about a very specific type of annuity design. It's called a fixed indexed annuity. Some of you have probably been exposed to this before, but I want to talk about it and break it down in a little bit of detail to help your understanding of these fixed index annuity products and how important they are when it comes to retirement planning. But I think it's important first to kind of set the stage a little bit with a little history so you have the background on all of this. So after the United States emerged from its economic recession of the early 1980s, the country at that time really experienced an economic boom. You probably remember that. Unlike what we're seeing today, the 1990s are characterized by strong GDP and a lot of true job creation and a lot of high productivity, not just people returning to jobs that they vacated during COVID. At that time in the early 1990s, the technology sector was exploding. Innovation was advancing at a fever pitch, and company valuations really surged, driving up broader market indexes. Unemployment was particularly low, and a newly elected President Clinton adopted monetary policies to keep inflation in check and support the uh, economy's rapid growth. And as a result, in the 1990s, the United States entered an almost decade-long period of economic bliss. 401k balances surged. Yours was probably really surging at that time, and a lot of wealth was created. 
The latter part of the 1990s was a wonderful time to retire. Virtually everyone benefited from the surging stock market and almost no one could be convinced to invest elsewhere. Everyone began to actually believe that markets just go up and up, convinced that there was no downside to markets. I remember that time well, and you probably do too. The 1990s are characterized by a go-go atmosphere in the stock market, and in all honesty, it was probably just what the country needed coming out of the recession of the late 1980s. The 1990s fueled a complete new change of attitude. We had a new president who presided over a vibrant economy. Virtually everyone had a job, and as a result, there really was a new attitude, kind of a turnaround. But that is exactly where there's potential for trouble for retirees. Retirees, like the rest of the country, developed a real enthusiasm for this rising stock market. They fell in love with that way of investing and generating retirement income. It was kind of seductive, and they gave in to the age-old temptation. But it is indeed an age-old story, one that always ends the same way. In the year 2000, the dot-com bubble burst, and the stock market came crashing down. And then the very next year, in 2001, the unfortunate September 11th terrorist attack happened. And during that two-year period of time, 2000 into 2001, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by 36%, 36%. And the Dow took four years to recover. And then about the time that it did recover, the mortgage crisis of 2008 and 2009 rolled around, destroying retirees' nest eggs all over again. You see, the retirees who were seduced by the big market gains of the 1990s made a fundamental mistake. They chased an investment opportunity rather than choosing an appropriate investment strategy matched to where they were positioned in their life in their life cycle, given their proximity to retirement. They're standing at retirement's doorstep. And by positioning their nest egg in the stock market, they assumed too much risk. And once the market fell, they not only suffered investment losses, some forever altered the quality of their retirement. They chased an investment opportunity rather than choosing an appropriate investment strategy given their proximity to retirement. But that's what happens when people get caught up in the enthusiasm of a rising market. We sometimes forget that what goes up will indeed eventually go down too. It was Mark Twain who once said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And today when I meet with clients, I often see that they're assuming too much risk in their retirement portfolios all over again, given their proximity to actually retiring. Most of my clients are standing at retirement's doorstep. So coming out of the 1990s, few people were interested in investment strategies that provided downside protection principle, preserving the assets that had taken them a lifetime to accumulate. But remember, in retrospect, many would have been really well served to have used such strategies. But of course, hindsight's 2020. And for many, it was hard to resist the allure of a bull market. You might have felt like you were missing out on something. So in the 1990s, relatively unnoticed, a new annuity design was rolled out. And it wasn't met with much fanfare or consumer interest. That was called the fixed indexed annuity. And at its core, the fixed indexed annuity was similar to other annuity product designs. And that it provides principal protection, really important feature for most retirees. But in addition to that, they offer something very special and very unique. They offered equity market participation through a series of external indexes. 
indexes like the S&P 500, Russell 2000, Dow indexes, and a host of other quality household name indexes. But what made the index feature so unique is that your principal was protected from losses that may result from poor index performance. So think about it this way. If the indexes went up, you went up. You participated in the market gains. But when the indexes went down, such as we saw in 2000 to 2002, again in 2008 to 2009, other smaller down periods, and then of course another big one in 2022, you didn't participate in any of those down markets. You stayed the same. Your principal was protected, and best of all, your previous gains were locked in, safe for market erosion. That's a really important point. Did you ever open up a 401k statement and look at your balance and think to yourself, boy, it's really doing well. But in the back of your mind, you think to yourself, are these gains ever really going to be mine? Because the market may drop off in the future, and it will. Well, in a fixed index annuity, your principal's protected, and all of your previous gains are locked in, safe for market erosion too, a huge feature. And because of all of that, since the 1990s, fixed index annuities have surged in popularity. And is it any wonder why? When you combine upside potential without the downside, gains with no losses. So how do fixed index annuity products work? Well, to explain that, let me quote from the book, Money, Master the Game, Seven Simple Steps to Financial Freedom. Again, the title of the book is Money, Master the Game, Seven Simple Steps to Financial Freedom. And it's written by motivational author Tony Robbins. You're familiar with Tony Robbins. And contributing to the book were some of the country's most powerful financial minds. If you haven't read the book, you really should. Although I'm going to forewarn you, it's 656 pages long. They don't leave many stones unturned. And here's what they wrote about fixed indexed annuities. Mr. Robbins writes, first of all, a fixed indexed annuity is fixed which means your account is guaranteed never to go down. No matter what happens, you won't lose your original deposit. That's half the battle. And kind of as a side note, I would add, for retirees, that's 99% of the battle. Anyway, back to the book. He also writes, however, instead of generating a small guaranteed rate of return, like a traditional fixed annuity, your base account growth is determined by tracking the gains of an external stock market index, such as the S&P 500. And then in addition to that, as the book points out a little bit further along, in recent years, these products have added a lot of unique features, including nursing home features and so on. Fixed index annuities provide the upside potential of gains without the downside potential of losses. They have a very special benefit in that they not only protect your principal from loss, but whatever previous gains, as I mentioned, you've been credited with are also protected. They're locked in as well. Now, for most of you listening to me right now, that feature is so different than any investment strategy that you've ever used before. Think about it this way. In years when markets were soaring, when you opened up your retirement account statements, you were probably elated at the gains. But as I mentioned, in the back of your mind, you probably have been wondering, are those gains ever really going to be mine? Because the market might drop one day, and inevitably it will, wiping out those gains. One of the huge benefits to the fixed index annuity is that each and every year your gains are locked in. You never give back the gains that you previously made. Your retirement account is kind of like an elevator that only goes up. It never goes down. 
And in addition to all of that, the more sophisticated fixed index annuity products have optional features that can be very helpful in providing money for long-term care needs, as well as retirement income planning. They are annuities after all, so they're great at generating income. And then once you're ready to begin a retirement income, your fixed index annuity will pay that income as a guaranteed stream of income that you can't outlive no matter how long you live. So longevity risk is off the table. The income is paid for as long as you're alive. Just think about the power of the fixed index annuity strategy. But I do want to offer you, offer you one word of caution. There are hundreds of fixed index annuity products that are out there, and each is a little bit different. And that's why it's really important to deal with an independent advisor who specializes in retirement planning. Somebody like me, a firm that specializes solely in retirement planning. If you'd like to learn more about fixed index annuity products or anything that I discussed on today's podcast, you can always reach me. My telephone number, toll-free, from anywhere in the United States is 877-772-1776. Again, that number is 877-772-1776. It kind of has the ring of independence. In order to form a more perfect retirement strategy, dial 877-772-1776. Seventy-six. My company is called Boston Independence Group. We're a Massachusetts incorporated retirement firm. We're located in Westboro, Massachusetts, about 30 miles west of Boston. And I will tell you this, if you do call, if you do contact me, you will speak with me directly. You will not be connected to somebody in my office. You'll speak with me personally. As a listener to this podcast, you are very important to me. You listen to my podcast, and I'll listen to you anytime that you call. Just so you know, you can also visit me on the web at bostonindependencegroup.com. Again, that's bostonindependencegroup.com. Great site to bookmark. Load of tons of helpful advice about a variety of important retirement topics. And it's there, too, that you can download a free chapter of my book. It's titled Uncomplicated Money, a Complete Retirement Planning Guide, which is available on Amazon.com. My book is a series of short stories designed to explain complex financial concepts that every retiree needs to know. So order your copy today. There's also a Kindle version, all available on Amazon. Again, my telephone number is 877-772-1776, and my website is bostonindependencegroup.com. Until next week, this is Jerry Doherty wishing you a very good week. And remember, retirement is within reach if you have a properly constructed retirement plan.